Good morning, everyone. For those of you who are visiting, my name is Joel. I'm one of the pastors here at Eaglemont. I'm so glad that you're with us, either in person or for those of, us, those of you who are watching online as well. Uh, just before we dive into the message for this week, uh, church family, just a note to make you aware of. Uh, we just ask that you keep the uh, Copan family in your prayers this week. Uh, Trish's dad unexpectedly passed away this past week. So if you can be uh, praying for Trish, for Jason, um, for uh, their children, for Trish's family, we just appreciate that as they go through this challenging time. We're going to uh, continue week seven already, week seven of our eight-week series entitled Soul Care. We only have this morning and next Sunday will be the conclusion of this series. Have you been getting something out of this church? Yes. Yeah. Good to hear. Um, can, I, can I ask a favor of you? I love to actually hear what God's been speaking to you and teaching you, whether it's through the messages on Sundays, through your reading, or through your discussion in small groups. If you wanted to send me an email, joel, J-O-E-L, at eaglemontchurch.ca, I would love to hear about what God's doing in your life. That would be so encouraging to hear and be able to share with our team. If you have any complaints that you would like to share, I'm going to repeat again. That's marlo at eaglemontchurch.ca. Um, this morning, uh, we are going to be talking about a silent killer of the soul. Fear. Now, some of you are very aware of the implications of fear in your life. You're self-aware of how it has sabotaged and it's crippled you at points in your life. Other of us are not so aware of fear. You might be one this morning that's already thinking, yeah, do you know what? This one isn't really for me. I don't really struggle with fear in my life. Let me ask you a question. What about anxiety? How about insecurity? Pride? Anger? See, fear is what psychologists and counselors call a primary emotion, but is often overshadowed by these other secondary emotions, like what I've listed. Fear is often deceptive to many. We don't recognize it in our own lives. We can feel the effects of fear. We know that we feel stressed, or we know that we feel anxious, or that we struggle with anger but we might not be aware that it's fear that's underneath these symptoms. It's no coincidence that the most common command in Scripture is do not fear or fear not. Some say it's said approximately 365 times in the Scriptures. One time for every day of the year to remind you every day, or day there's a reason not to be fearful. It's said a lot because fear has such a large impact on our lives. Now, the biggest determinant of fear, detriment, I should say, is that it keeps us from living out our true calling and our identity in Christ. Fear keeps us from walking into the fullness of what God is calling us to. Now, I don't know if there's any crazies here this morning, but we had a rule in our house because my son in September began asking me if we could start putting up Christmas decorations. I specified that no one puts up Christmas decorations before Remembrance Day. So at 1 p.m. on November 11th, 
Judah started unpacking Christmas decorations at our house. Are there any more crazies here? I knew Allie would be one. Okay. Now, because of that this week, I've been thinking about Christmas because I'm seeing trees even going up in my house. And as, you, as those of you who have been a part of Eagmont for a while, you may, you're probably already aware, my favorite Christmas show is Charlie Brown's Christmas. Now, if you're familiar with that program, there's a scene in that show where Charlie Brown goes to his friend Lucy for some psychiatric help. And Lucy tells him, ask them to begin to help identify his fears, because if they can identify his fears, then they can label it. Some of us, that's really our perception of what we have with this idea of having a conversation about fear. In fact, even at the beginning of this series, when we talked about caring for the soul, the idea of even exploring it seemed so foreign to you and it made you uncomfortable. What's the point of this? Just simply so we can say it exists? I'm just going to move on and I can just move forward without it. The purpose of discussing this issue of fear is not simply to label it or to give an excuse. It's because the less we recognize fear in our lives, the more of a problem it will be. So we need to dive into this together. Now before we do, I want to speak to some of you this morning who you're actually already feeling anxiety with the nature of the topic that we're speaking about because you already know that you struggle with fear in your life. And in your, if you're honest right now, you're very concerned about what I'm going to share. You're feeling anxious because you're worried that I'm just going to tell you, you should just not be fearful. Because the Bible says fear not. You're worried that you're just going to be told today that you're broken and there's something wrong with you. When I was a kid, I had a fear of heights. I still have a fear of heights. I'm just better with it. But I have a phobia of fear of heights. My dad telling me, you don't need to be afraid. Don't be afraid. It's not a big deal. Guess how much that helped me? Absolutely nothing. Simply being told, don't be afraid. I shouldn't be afraid of this. It doesn't work and it doesn't help. Simply trying to ignore, pretend like fear isn't in our lives is not just unhelpful, but it's actually more damaging. And to say that to someone else, again, is not helpful. In fact, it's more damaging to them. When the Bible says, fear not, this was always followed with a reason not to fear. A reason for hope. A reason to have courage. Not just simply a reprimand for struggling with fear. Look at Isaiah 41.10 or 41.13 for an example. It was a reminder that God is with us and is a pathway to find support and hope. Psalms 56 verses 3 to 4. David said, When I am afraid... I will put my trust in you when I am afraid. The reality is that in this life, you will encounter things that will spark fear. Encountering moments of fear is not an indicator that God is not with you or that your faith is inactive or ineffective. David was the one who was called a man after God's own heart. He fought a bear. He fought a lion. He fought and defeated Goliath. David was a man who knew how to live with faith and courage, yet these are his words, when I am afraid. You will have moments of fear in your life. The fact you are aware of your own battle with fear is not an indictment on your faith, nor a sign that you are not loved and cherished by God. Key is not the presence of a fearful experience in your life, but rather your response to that fear. 
I love this quote of Dr. Reimer in this chapter. The number one question in the heart of people for God is, do you love me? And the number one question in the heart of God for his people is, will you trust me? You are loved this morning. Those of you who are online, who are watching this alone right now, you are loved. The key is not whether you will encounter fear, but how you will respond. A response of fear or a response of faith? A response of trust. Now, you've probably heard it commonly spoken that there are two responses to fear. Fight or? Right. Okay. So I want to look at these quickly this morning. A flight response refers to when, it, when someone encounters something fearful, they run or cower. Feeling overwhelmed with anxiety, they work to escape, believing that to be the only way to survive. So they turn to someone, something, or someplace else to soothe their anxieties. So a flight response will be someone who goes to fantasy or withdrawal. They'll shut down. They'll turn inward. Maybe they'll have passive-aggressive behavior towards others. Or they'll physically withdraw themselves from a location. We see this in Scripture. Moses, for example. When Moses killed an Egyptian man, believing he was doing what he was supposed to do, but was out of God's call and out of his order, what did he do? He ran away and for 40 years lived in the desert. Gideon, when there was a war going on in the land of Israel, Gideon hid in a wine press, afraid. A flight response is always defined by a debilitating anxiety. And this fearful response can lead people to miss out on the fullness of God's promises for them. Again, as a, a biblical reference, and I hope that you write these down. First of all, so that you have them to read later. Second of all, check me on these things. God's given you a great mind. And a discerning heart, read his word. His word is where we find truth. Not any other person, but his word. So check me on this. But Numbers 13, you'll see the story of the Israelites who, were, who again were, were called out of Egypt to a promised land. And so God calls them out and it's time for them to take this land. And so they send 12 spies to go into the land to scope it out before they go in to take the land that God had promised for them. Now from these 12 spies, two come back with a, a report that yes, this is exactly what God had promised. It's a land flowing with milk and honey, a great land just as he had promised. But 10 of those spies went and they saw that the men of that land were huge and strong and they had fortified cities. And they were fearful, and because of that, the Israelites did not move forward, and an entire generation missed out on the land that God had promised to them. Your anxiety, again, is not a sign of God not being with you, but it is a warning light on the dashboard of your soul, not to turn away and to flight, but turn toward him. See, fears will often drive us to reach for dysfunction, like comforting sin patterns, because fear is itself discomforting. And unprocessed wounds in our lives are painful, as we've discussed in previous weeks. So we engage in a sin oftentimes that brings us a measure of relief or comfort, whether it's fantasy or an addictive behavior. But God's desire is that when you face anxiety, when you face fear, you would trust him. You would turn to him and be filled, empowered to overcome fear 
with his love. That is a faith response. Now, as I mentioned, there are two common responses to fear. The first was flight. The second was, can you remind me? Fight. Fight. Right. Fight. 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 I'm getting flashbacks to grade school. All right. Fight. Now, a fight response is someone who can respond with defensiveness, with anger, or rapiding up, ramping up the intensity of a conversation. I don't know anybody like that who just ends up talking louder than the next person to make sure that they're louder and more heard. I don't know if you've ever done that before. A fight response can be attacking others. It can also include controlling behaviors. Now, it's often confusing when we talk about fighting behavior because fighters can appear to be confident and competent. Unlike those who respond by flight to fear, fighters are able to still get things done, quote unquote. A fight response, though, is still a response motivated by fear. And responses in our life that are rooted in fear, no matter how they manifest themselves, always reap destruction. So if you have your Bible, open to 1 Samuel 13. And let's look again for an example of this in context. Now in 1 Samuel 13, I'm just going to reference this story. Here we see the people of Israel headed to war. Saul is anointed as the first king of Israel. Now at the time, if you're new to church, this is what happened. Israel didn't have a king. God was their leader. But then they wanted to have a king just like all the other nations around them. So we see Saul anointed the first king of Israel, chosen. So there's the king of Israel, and then there's the prophet of Israel. Samuel is the prophet. Samuel speaks to the people on behalf of God. Saul deals with all the regular kingly duties of running the nation. Now, Saul is given specific instructions by Samuel that God has said to wait for Samuel. They're going to go to war. Saul is to wait there with his men till Samuel comes, makes an offering to God, and then they will go to war. But the issue is, is that Samuel is late. And Samuel's not late by an hour. Samuel's not late by a couple hours. We're talking days that Saul and his army are sitting there, looking across the way, can see the neighboring army begin to form and put up their strongholds. And his army begins to quake with fear. The men in his army, you can imagine when you're just stationary there, you no longer have the element of surprise. All your strategic advantage is gone. The other army is building all their fortresses and getting all ready to go. So the men become fearful, and Saul himself becomes fearful. He's worried that his men are going to abandon him. So what does he do? He goes ahead and he makes the sacrifice himself without Samuel being there because of his own fear. And Samuel ends up showing up right after that sacrifice is done. And we see this, uh, these words of Samuel from 1 Samuel 15, 22, as he reprimands Saul, to obey God is better than sacrifice. See, what happens is when we fight out of fear, our insecurity pushes us beyond where God has led us to and called us to. We begin to make assumptions for God and for others, convincing ourselves that our actions are justified. We are often forceful with our opinions, and this is only to cover up our own vulnerabilities and our own insecurities. Fighters often look very confident, but are actually truthfully very insecure. A fighting response is focused on making a result. A faith response, to juxtapose that, is rooted in loving relationship and is focused on obedience. Fear fights for control, but faith submits. While we can experience both fear and faith 
We cannot act on both. See, fear itself threatens the foundation of our value. In our fear, we often seek to prove our worth, to control our outcomes, to manipulate and control others. When we act on these things because of our fears, we actually strengthen the stronghold of the faulty foundations and lies in our lives. Going back to week one of this series, as we talked about some of those identity lies that we can buy into of who we are, what gives us value, what gives us purpose. Ultimately, to conquer our fears, we have to surrender our fears to God and trust him. That he is with us. That he is for us. That he loves us. And that even though there are still other questions in our lives left unanswered, that that is enough. See, a faith response is not an absence of fear. It is a measured choice of trust in God. I'm going to say that one more time. A faith response is not an absence of fear. It is a measured choice of trust in God. Not pride. It's not a trust in myself. It is not an arrogance. It is a trust in God. As a side note, to trust him, you need to know him. That's why it's so important we need to spend time with him. You need to come to know that he is trustworthy. Again, anxiety is simply the warning lights on the dashboard, a cue for us to lean into God. You can embrace anxiety as an early warning sign, reminding you that you need to get close to the heart of the Father. Psalms 139, 23 to 24, these are the words of David again. Search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. Search me. Know my heart. God can know you better than you know yourself. He can even reveal the things, the hidden fears in our hearts that we've been serving. Know my anxious thoughts, God. But it doesn't say just change those. Instead, lead me in the way everlasting. So how do we have a faith response to fear? Again, if you have your Bibles, open to 1 John, book of 1 John, which is towards the latter part of the Bible, 1 John chapter 4. And here within this passage lies both the reason for our fear and how we are able to respond with faith. That is the need for an undisputed, felt experience of the presence and love of God. 1 John 4, 16 to 19. We know how much God loves us and we have put our trust in his love. God is love and all who love live in God and God lives in them. And as we live in God, our love grows more perfect. So we will not be afraid on the day of judgment, but we can face him with confidence because we live like Jesus here in this world. Such love has no fear because perfect love expels fear. If we are afraid, it is for the fear of punishment. And this itself shows that we have not fully experienced his perfect love. A fear of punishment. 
a fear that we are not good enough, that we are unacceptable, that we are unworthy, that we are unloved. Is that how you approach God as simply a fear of punishment? Have you not come to know a loving father who cares for you? That will lead to a life ruled by fear, whether that be fight or flight. We need to again, over and over again, come to the presence of God to be realigned with the truth of ourselves and our world, to encounter a perfect love that settles and secures us. When I was in junior high, I remember grade seven, when I started to get to go to youth group at my church. We were a large church and we had a large youth group. There was like 15 girls in my grade and one guy. Well, that's awesome. <laughs> that was awesome is what Marlo said. Yep. <laughs> Not really, but yeah, sure. Um, with that, I, I remember going to youth group and I was, I was the smallest kid. I, I was like five foot, maybe five foot when I, when I started grade seven, around four, 11, five foot probably about 70 pounds. And here I am hanging out with all these huge, cool kids that could grow facial hair. It was super intimidating. And I was a bit of a dork. But I had two youth leaders, Kenny and Warren, and they were the coolest guys at youth group. Youth leaders, you make such a big impact. And thank you to all of our youth leaders at our church who care for our kids. Now, I had two amazing youth leaders, Kenny and Warren, and they, whenever I came, they made me feel like I was a celebrity. They, I hung out with them the entire night. And when, wherever I went, I got the coolness factor of being buddies with those guys. And everybody treated me differently. I had such a different confidence because they were my buds. They were my friends. Have you ever experienced that? Where you've had someone with you that it changes the security and the identity that you have in your life. That is how our relationship with Christ is supposed to be. As Dr. Reimer has said in previous chapters, and again reiterates in this one, the issue of my value is settled at the cross with my friend Jesus. So when anxiety comes and fear comes, I will take a moment to get on that secure foundation. And I will act on faith, not on fear. So how do we overcome fear? Six things very quickly before we close this morning. From Philippians chapter 4, again, one more time in your Bible, just a little bit earlier in the New Testament. Philippians chapter 4, 4 to 7. It says this, Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Six quick things, and these are outlined in the chapter by Dr. Reimer. I'm just going to adopt everything that he put right here. The first is this, as this section starts off with, rejoice in the Lord. First, begin with worship. Worship will always get our eyes off of our fearful circumstances and on to our amazing, powerful God. Worship helps us access the presence of God. So where in your day where you're at, play worship music while you work, while you listen, while you pray. Sing praises to God. This will help settle your soul and bring a focus on a Christ. Number two, 
Let your gentleness be evident to all. Choose a gentle response. Now, this word gentle here in Philippians has to do with submission and yielding. Paul is essentially saying, slow down, surrender. In contrast, fear oftentimes leads us to act impulsively and to speed up. It leads us to an angry, defensive, controlling, or self-protecting, damaging ways. Slow down. As Psalms 46.10 says, be still and know. I am God. Slow down. Choose a gentle response. Choose to slow down in a time of crisis. It will help prevent you from acting on fear rather than acting on faith. Thirdly, remember the Lord's presence and fix your eyes on Jesus. 2 Corinthians 4.18 So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but what is unseen. Since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. Hebrews 12, 2, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. We can fix our eyes on Jesus. Or we can fix our eyes on our problems. You can't look at both at the same time. For those of you who have been in church for a while, you've probably heard the story of when Jesus' disciples were out on the water on a boat and Jesus had gone off on a distance to pray and suddenly there was a storm that came over the water and the wind and the waves began to beat against it and from a distance, the men saw what they thought was a ghost walking towards them and it was Jesus walking on the water. And one of the disciples, Peter, yelled out, Lord, if it's you, call me and I can walk out with you. And he did and he began to, as he focused on Jesus, he took a step out on the water and he began to walk on the water. For those of you who are familiar with this passage in the New Testament, what happens shortly after is quickly he begins to notice the wind and the waves, and as his focus shifts, what happens? That's right, he begins to sink. We need to fix our eyes on Jesus. If we fix our eyes on the winds and the waves in our lives, we will sink. But if we fix our eyes on him, we can move forward. Fourthly, overcoming your fears will involve redemptive suffering. You will be tempted during times of, of fear to go to a sin pattern that brings you comfort, like lust or fantasy, eating or drinking. Go to Jesus instead. Don't be scared of pain, and I know that that's a natural response. We don't like pain. Jesus is not non-existent in your pain. He's actually found present there. Find him there. Let his love, his presence, and his victory bring you comfort. Don't simply seek comfort. I remember reading a quote, you can, if we seek the satisfaction God, get, God provides more than we seek God himself, we get neither. Seek God, and over time, you will find comfort in him. Number five, overcoming fears will involve surrender. Now, I don't always understand things in my life, but I can choose to trust. Perhaps you're like me, and you often, in times where you struggle with fear or anxiety, you ask the wrong question. You ask the question, why? God, why is this happening? Why would you allow for this? Why are you so quiet? Why don't you change this? When the right question is how. 
God, how are you going to redeem this? Romans 8, 28. We need to surrender to God's greater plan. God's greatest desire is that you would trust him. Overcome your fears will involve surrender. And finally, number six, overcoming our fears will involve action. You need to act the opposite direction of your fear. Courage, this is Dr. Reimer, courage is not the absence of fear. Courage is doing what is right in the face of fear. Action does not mean you need to simply do something. For those of us who are fighters, this is already our natural inclination. It's not simply doing something. It is only the restorative presence of God that helps us. And the restorative presence of God can only be accessed through silence and stillness, not doing. But I thought you just were talking about action. Yes. First, though, we need to be still and know he's God. We need to hear him. We need to spend time with him. And then our doing needs to be birthed out of hearing God in the stillness. Then we need to obediently walk that out. So in conclusion, this morning, as we're going to have a time of prayer together, I want to pray for you. Church, I'm going to ask if you'll stand, if you're in person here today, and if you're at home, you can stand as well. But if you're by yourself or there's other people around you and it's kind of awkward where suddenly you're standing, you can stay seated at home where you're watching. But what I'd like you to do is I'd like you to close your eyes and we're going to do a prayer exercise here. We have two different little prayer exercises I want us to do before Pastor Marlow comes and concludes us this morning. First thing is I'm going to do is I'm going to read through Psalm 119, 23 to 24. And I want you, just with your eyes closed, to prayerfully Allow God to speak to you and speak to him these words. Make this psalm your own prayer. Search me, God, and know my heart. Right now, God, our heart can be deceptive. Can you even just reveal to us? Test me and know my anxious thoughts. God, some of us aren't even aware of the anxieties that we carry. Some of us, they're very prevalent and right now, just to the forefront of our minds, may you bring those. See if there is any offensive way in me. God, if I've responded negatively, if I've hurt others by my, my response of fighting, and I've pushed and I've hurt, I've pushed you away, I've hurt others, I've injured others, I've been forceful, I've been overbearing. I've been opinionated beyond what you've ever taught me or told me. God, if I've offended you because instead of turning to you for comfort, I've turned to the things I've lusted for. I've turned to sinful patterns in my life to find comfort. Show those and I want to confess those. Just bring those to him today. Ask for your forgiveness for that. And Father, lead me in the way everlasting. God, thank you that you don't say you're fearful, I'm done with you. You don't even say you can come back once you've dealt with all your fear. You see us with all our anxieties and all our struggles. And you still say, come. 
For some of you this morning, I just believe that you're seeing the face of Jesus just with those words, come. May there be healing in your soul right now from that. Not the judgment that you were expecting, but a loving Father who says, come. May we find comfort in your arms today, Father. As we conclude, I want us to read this prayer together that's going to be on the screen. For those of you at home, it will be, the words will be up. I'd like us just to pray, I'll, I'll lead and you can read them with me. Again, if this is a prayer that you want to pray in agreement with. Let's do this together. Heavenly Father, because your word says many times that we are not to fear, today I express my desire and commitment to fully trust you with my fears. Holy Spirit, I ask for your help in moments when anxiety and fear begin to surface in my mind. In those moments, please help me to hear your reminder that you are completely trustworthy. Please empower me to choose faith in you as the all-powerful, all-wise, and all-loving God so that fear will have no power over me or my thinking. I commit to setting my mind on the truth of your written word that will help me choose faith over fear in my everyday life and that I want to live to bring you glory. In Jesus' name. And if you agree, say amen. Amen.